And welcome to Gleaming the Geek, the Is It Over? question mark episode. Wednesday, we had a Patreon episode where we were pretty sure it was over. Yeah. We said that was the fun part. Well, not that much as well. And the truth is, is things have gone sort of Cleveland's way. <laughs> not really. As much we, as it we, we lost one on Wednesday, but then Cleveland lost yesterday. Yeah. It still feels like, I mean, all the same stuff applies. I know we shouldn't, uh, but... It's, it's over. I think it's pretty much over. I might as well lean into it because the title of my article on Wednesday morning or Wednesday night was "It's Over." Why the Why the Twins can stop focusing on the Guardians and start focusing on the playoffs or something like that. My editor chose that line. But I am uh, John Bonus of Twins Daily. With me, Aaron Gleeman of Gleeman of uh, the Athletic of Gleeman and the Geek. Aaron Gleeman of Gleeman and the Geek. Why not? Yeah, right. that's yeah. very accurate. <laughs> Who else would it be of Gleeman and the Geek? My mom. Uh, yeah, the uh, we recorded. First of all, if you're listening to this and you enjoy the show, I know it's off to a rousing start. <laughs> this episode, it's yeah, yeah. radio gold right now. Yeah. Uh, but we're doing. Uh, well, we published this on a Friday. Right. Uh, and it's free. We're happy to do yeah. it. Yeah. We've been we're, doing it for 12 years. Yes. We're very happy. Listen, but we would be even happier. And I think you would be even happier. Yes. That might be a stretch. If <laughs> uh, We do Monday and Wednesday morning episodes right. as well, but we do those on a website or a platform called Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and it's patreon.com slash Gleeman. And the way that works is those are commercial free, right. uh, sometimes like more deep dive stuff, sometimes interviews or guests, and then sometimes we do mailbags. Sometimes it's just sometimes emergency our way to podcast, react to right? news yep. or specific games and not have to wait a week between yeah. episodes. And the way that works is if you sign up, you get them delivered right to you as soon as we're done recording them, just like you would. Yep. Uh, you can plug it into Spotify or Apple or however yep. you get your podcast. And uh, the only difference is there's no sponsors, so there's no ads, yep. and you get charged one dollar right. when they come out. If we don't put a new one out for three days or a week, right. you don't get charged or the anything. Entire off season, right? <laughs> and you get access to the entire archive for free. So it right. seems like a great time for the last three weeks of the regular season yes. and the well, fill in the blank weeks of the playoffs or days of the playoffs. Yes, yes. Uh, it would seem like a prime time to join Patreon.com. Slash it was a fun week to be on that this week yes. because we uh, recapped the Rangers series on Monday, which was a fun series, yes. and then we recapped the first two games of the Cleveland right. series, so which were really fun. We recorded the, our last Patreon episode on Wednesday morning between games two and three, and it was a little, it was especially weird because we finished recording that at like I don't know ten <laughs> thirty eleven o'clock, yeah, right. and their the first pitch was at twelve ten our time. Right. So it was like, well, it's mostly over. But and if in an hour from now, by the time you guys listen to this, most most people don't listen to it in the first eight minutes. Although we're always shocked that it, it's like <laughs> right. two thousand downloads in like ten right. minutes. Yes. But uh, I was like, well, if they if they win the third game, it's like actually over. Yes. They didn't win the third game. They could have. It, was, it, it also was, gave people something to listen to during the uh, rain delay. That's true. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that was a very was strange a, game. A very was, odd game. It had a very. Did you just, expect the pitchers to come back out? No, but I a, didn't either. Dan said that because uh, Dan was there. Dan Hayes mm -hmm. of the Athletic, um, best known for his handsome partner uh, <laughs> and his inability to catch baseballs. <laughs> you, know, you said it. I didn't. It's a little sensitive about that. He just sits there now and goes, "I just need one more." <laughs> <laughs> 
I just need a chance. I was giving you a hard time last night about that. <laughs> oh, you saw each other last night? Is that? No, I did oh, not see each other. Text. We texted each other. Yeah, I, was, I sent him a video. There's a video of a minor league announcer oh, yeah. catching a catching a foul ball and praising himself and announcing him catching the foul ball. Well, now Dan has like PTSD from it, which is any time a foul ball gets hit into the press box, and the press box is pretty large. Like it fits like a hundred people. Like there's a. You know, there's a front row that's probably, I don't know, 40 seats. (laughs) And so a lot of the balls are nowhere near me and Dan on one side. And he has no chance in them. But anytime a ball gets hit into the press box or even like in front of the press box, he will immediately look, poke his head out the the window (laughs) and look to the left where the television booth is because he's so now afraid of Dick Bramer (laughs) making fun of him for dropping fall balls. But anyway, on Wednesday's show, (laughs) we were kind of stuck in the middle of, well, it's pretty much over it could in three hours be, be over, really over. over now over. it wasn't because right. that game that game reminded me a lot of the first half yeah where they just not could not punch through a couple of runs when they well, needed it it also <laughs> because that was pitched that, pretty well all here, things here, considered here's what i thought about it i thought that's the team we thought Cleveland was going to be. Right. Right? I mean, what what we thought Cleveland was going to be this year, that was the ninety that was the ninety win version of the Cleveland team that we're seeing right now. Right. Right. What we right. saw last year, which is right. they catch everything. Uh, yeah, they catch everything. They've got sh- shut down pitching both right. in the both at uh, front and the bullpen. And they, and they scratch they out scratch enough. Out a couple, yes, exactly yeah. right. Like that's what we thought Cleveland was going to be. We finally saw it in the last game of the Cleveland series. And not going to do them any good. It was too little, too late. Right. I mean that it is scary that that type of like stylistically that right. type of team, which is high contact offense, which means high variance offense, uh, and it means you need to string together hits. Right. When it works, it looks beautiful. Yes. Nothing looks more beautiful it's than a, a bunch of a balls in play right. and singles and doubles. And they didn't score like a billion runs or anything. They barely scored anything. But you score enough to then hand it over to the bullpen if you right. get good starting pitching. And then if the bullpen is just shut down, well, that in when it's going well, that can seem like such an easy, smooth, right. straightforward approach, which it was last year for them. But when it's going poorly right. – they just score two runs, well, and the bullpen gives up two runs. And so I watched them last night on the West Coast, uh, the start of what I'm assuming is a four-game series a four game in, series. Uh, yep. in Anaheim. Yep. And the Twins also play the Angels uh, relatively yep. soon. Right, yeah. And so the Angels are a mess. Shohei Otani is not playing yeah. at the moment. Trout's out. Which also made Cleveland had to fly four hours after that rain-delayed true, game yeah. yesterday over to California for the last night's game. But they had the lead. Uh, two to one, and it looked like another example of that type of game where right. they scratched together two or three runs, and then they just shut it down. And I don't, the Angels are just a mess, and yet they load the bases against Class A, they tie yeah. it up, and then it bloops in a single, and they get Cleveland gets walked off, and so that undoes half of the right. you know positive that Cleveland right. got right. from beating the Twins in the in the finale. Or if you want to view one third, well, sort of. I mean, it's literally half, <laughs> they, they still have the tiebreaker now, right? Or you, I was just about to say, or you can just look at it as that undid the tiebreaker. Yeah, that okay. game. There's the half okay. game that the tiebreaker sort of represents. Sure. But either way, um, you know, we broke this down more on the Patreon, and we won't get back into the nitty gritty of it. But they're roughly 99 percent uh, to win the the division. It's a combination of factors. A, they're just up six and a half games with only 22 or for Cleveland, 21 to play. B, there are no more head-to-head matchups, which makes it even more difficult for Cleveland to make up the ground because they can't control any aspect of their own destiny there. And then C, 
Cleveland's schedule is not that tough anymore. Like they got through the difficult part of their schedule, like the truly sure. difficult. But it's like league average now. Yeah. They, I think, twelve out of their last twenty-one are against winning teams. Right. Uh, but the Twins only have six of their last twenty-two against winning teams, right. and then finish with Anaheim, who we just said is a right. husk of a team. Oakland right. and Colorado, Colorado yeah. which is as easy a uh, final nine games as you can finish with. And right. so for all those reasons, I'm not someone who typically tries to jump the gun on, you know, it's over. Uh, there's no point in that. I'm not. It's not like a point of pride to be the first one to declare it over or anything like that. Magic number is 16. Yes, I got yeah, to use my uh, Frank Viola picture last night <laughs> to post the magic number. I was worried about that. Good. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I would I would say you can start clearing October third, fourth, and fifth. Certainly, the third and the fourth uh, from your schedules. That's yep. when the first round of the playoffs would be. They, those will be at Target Field. Uh, we don't know the times, but I'm guessing right. day games. We'll see. Depends on the matchup a little bit. Uh, they took two of three in Texas. Yep. Two of three in Cleveland. Um, Texas is yeah. Texas is a mess too. Uh, the and. That was the end. The last Cleveland game, Texas um, is now out of it. They're actually, they're actually out of the postseason right, right now. Toronto, they went from they went from a first round bye yeah. to out of the postseason right now in a, like three weeks. In part because they went to, what two and five against the Twins, right? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, they they just stopped hitting. Now they're now they're injured. But so the last Cleveland game Wednesday, yeah, was the fifteenth of fifteen where we kind of said this is the last gauntlet that the Twins have to get through. And if they can kind of make it, it was two at Milwaukee, then it was home versus Texas and then Cleveland, and then it was on the road against Texas and Cleveland. And that added up to 15 total games against what looked at the time. I mean, Milwaukee's in first place. Texas had been in first place. And 15 games above 500, too. Milwaukee's up there like there. Uh, Texas had been in first place for most of the season. And then Cleveland, while they didn't have a winning record, they haven't had a winning record since July. Represented that, the biggest that danger was, of red. Right. Yeah, right. And so we said if they can make it through that 15, even going like 6-9, and nine, honestly, 7-8 yeah. and eight, right. certainly. And instead they went 8-7. They were and seven. In a good position. Yeah. And it, it didn't necessarily look beautiful the whole yeah. time, but we saw what happened, which is you make it through that gauntlet of your last remaining difficult portion. You go 8-7. and seven. They gained ground on Cleveland during that time. Um they didn't. They weren't able to secure the tiebreaker, which would have really been the icing on the cake. But they come out of it now six and a half up, with essentially three weeks to play, three weeks and a couple of days to play. Yes, those leads have been blown before. Absolutely. Uh, that that represents the two percent. I was thinking about. Uh, you I, was, know. I was thinking about that yesterday. It's like. We will absolutely start to panic if it gets down to three, three and a half, right? That that lead does like this can I mean, happen, and there's it. a decent chance that it does at some point over the next three weeks get down to three, three and a half, right? I, I would say, yeah, maybe, but you got to view it kind of like I remember. I remember we talked about this in 2019, which is you can see the ebbs and flows coming with the schedule, and so right. yeah, the Twins are playing like the Mets, who are not great, but should put up some fight, and then they play Tampa Bay. Right. That's a good team, and. Meanwhile, Cleveland's in Anaheim, but we saw. I mean, my, I keep coming back to the same point, which I wrote about and we talked <laughs> about on Wednesday, which is Cleveland's just not good. And so we we keep attributing they all are, these fact, seven games under five hundred, right? And so <laughs> right, they yes. go out to Anaheim, and I go, oh, they're probably going to win three out of four in Anaheim here. And right. I'm watching last night, and they're up two to one, and I go, well, this is just a easy win for them. And no, I forget they're not good. Like yeah. Class A is not Class A from last year. He's got eight losses already or whatever. And I mean he's right. still good, but right. it's it's not we keep attributing these 
sort of scary uh, characteristics to the Guardians because that's how it was last year, because that's just how Twins fans are built, sure. and because for the last decade or so, the Guardians have been that way. Right. But it's not that way. Right. They want it to be that way, but it's the other way, right. uh, to, I think, paraphrase the wire. But uh, And so that is really the saving grace, which is I wouldn't put it past the Twins to to slump down the stretch here. I mean, they got 22 left. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if Absolutely. they went 10-12. and 12. I would be a little surprised given their schedule, but – even going ten and twelve, I think they would they'll win the. I mean, you said it. Yeah. The magic number sixteen. So what that means is combined Twins wins right. and Guardians losses. Yeah. Twins could go ten and twelve, and Guardians could go fifteen and six. Right, and, and the, the Twins, twins still would still win. win the division. Right. Right. right, and so when you start to just the the window shrinks for them, and the the clock is on your side. Yeah. You know, it's like a team. A football team with a three-point lead with two minutes left, but the other team doesn't have any timeouts. All you got to do is just sort of snap the ball. Don't fumble it. You can even kneel down if you want. Just do not fumble the ball away, and you're going to win this. And that's sort of where the Twins are at. Uh, They have essentially equal odds, which is to say 1%, (laughs) of not winning the division and of getting one of the two buys, they're both like 0.9%. Right. And they are not getting I mean, right. there's no way that – we're not saying that to suggest that they have any chance of no. getting the buy. They don't the have opposite. any chance. Right, yes. I'm saying right. you should be sitting there and going, well, they have no shot at the buy, right. one of the two seeds. Right. Because because the, the all the teams in the AL West – there's three teams in the AL West that are all about 15 games over 500. Right. And the Twins are like seven. Right. So you're, you're, but if you're sitting right. there correctly saying, well, there's no chance they're going to get one of the top two seeds in a buy – I agree with you. <laughs> Apply that same standard right. to the exact same percentage of right. them not winning the AL Central, and right. that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Uh, it is strange. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It is strange to both be in the worst division and really maybe the worst division ever. Right. It's certainly one of the worst divisions ever. It is strange to both be in the worst division ever but then also not really have to fight for it. Do you know what I mean? Like – you would think, yeah, the division stinks, and it's allowing the Twins to potentially win it with 83 wins or something yeah. like that. But you would think, well, at least somebody's going to win 79 games in that. But Cleveland's like on pace for 74 wins or something. Yeah. And I, I mean, that plays a part in how bad the division is. But it, those are like two separate things. Like it could be a horrendous right. division, but at least Cleveland could be 500. Yeah. But it's not even that. And so it's such a weird feeling to be like – the. At no point have the Twins really had to do anything other than like a light jog to to win this thing. And it's just such a weird – it feels like it can't be. Do you know what I mean? Like it feels like this can't be the case for six months. And it feels like – you're telling me it's not even mid-September yet and it's already basically over. And that's that's just what they've been handed. On the one hand, you know, they've got this – you know, six and a half, six six and a half game lead in the division, right? Feels very comfortable. We're just talking about how comfortable that feels. On the other hand, I take a look. I'm like, this team is six games over 500. Like, if they would have no shot at the wild card right now if they if they if right. they were competing for the wild. If there was any other good team in the AL Central, they would have no chance at the wild card. Right. So, I, I imagine <laughs> that battle in the AL West, right, where you've got three teams that are all within like two and a half games of each other, or three games of each other. Right. One of them is going to get a first round bye. One of them might miss it completely, right? right. And one of them is going to have is going to have to face the Rays on the road, <laughs> or, or you know, or like, they could or, be out, or, right? Or they could be out, right? Like yeah. you, you, you almost want to, if you are 
Those Any are three the, very different outcomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, if you're one of those wildcard teams, you're kind of like, I think I want to be the last wildcard team as opposed oh, to the absolutely. fifth wildcard team. Because the, the better wildcard team has to go face the Rays in Tampa, with, yeah. where, where, by the way, they've got an amazing record at home right at this, this year. Yeah, it is a, <laughs> it's a strange – I mean, we used to run into this before it was this format. Right. And the, the reason the Twins played the Yankees right. so much is that under the old format – Teams couldn't play when there were only four playoff teams. There were the, the three division right. winners and one wild card. Right. Teams could not, in the first round, could not play a team from their division. And so the Yankees and, let's say, the Red Sox would make the playoffs together. Right. And once in a while they'd be matched up, but it, it was you couldn't. Those were right. illegal. Right. And so eventually, essentially, the, the Twins would get some. A lot of times the, it, would, it would appear the Yankees were ge- – gearing up for second place so they could face the twins in the postseason well, right. as opposed to like whoever else well, I mean right. one of the proposals I remember of the CBA when it was being negotiated two off seasons ago or yeah yeah was what if we let the the higher seeded team choose, choose their opponent right. like a draft yeah I and actually still love that I idea. love that idea but I actually I talked to a couple at the winter meetings non twins people just we were shooting the shit and that came up uh, shooting the S, sorry, it's not a patron. I'm used to swearing on the patron. Um, and they were like, well, that sounds great, but what that's going to do is this, one of the people I talked to who works in front office said he thought that you would have teams not choose. You would have teams just take the default what the actual matchup was because they don't want to open themselves up for criticism, criticism maybe. or provide bulletin board material. Right. And so what would happen is you're the number one seed and you get the – well, you, they get the buy. So you're the number three seed or whatever. They're right. the twins right. and you're like, well, who do you want to pick? They would just say, well, who were we going to get under the old format right. anyway? Because right. you don't want to go, well, we picked the Blue Jays. And then all of a sudden the Blue Jays are going, they wanted to play us. <laughs> yeah, wanted- you want to fire them up. Right. right. And, yeah. then it's, and then it, it opens it, you like, up to criticism because right. it's like, well, they chose this matchup. Like I also – Chris and I were talking about this the other day too. The other thing about that is, is that you can kind of take a look at those teams that you're facing and sometimes based on the team that you might pick, your time of game might change. Like if you well, you pick, you pick true, yeah. the Astros, you probably have a yeah. seven o'clock game on, sure. on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You pick Seattle, well, you probably got a late afternoon game. Yeah, I mean, Twins Blue Jays is going to be on <laughs> yeah. at like four in the morning, exactly right. the day before the playoffs. Exactly, you know. So maybe you're choosing it based partly on, hey, we want people to show up for a seven o'clock game right. as opposed to uh, eleven a.m. game, right? So. Uh, so, one of the things, you know, if it is over, or even if you're somewhat skeptical, and it's just mostly over. One of the things we're going to talk about is like, well, what, what now? Like, what is they? They got to take care of business. You got to go, like we right. said, ten and twelve or better, something like that, down the stretch, to really hammer this thing home. But I think it's pretty likely that they'll get to a sixteen magic number, you know, in within two weeks, certainly. Right. Uh, but like, what? Okay, now what? Like, right. w- What is the actionable, you know, effect of this? And in a lot of ways, for the Twins, it's get guys healthy experiment with some roles for the guys who are either coming back or here. We saw that Julian finally played some first base. I threw a party in my apartment for that. <laughs> and we took me asking 10,000 times. Uh, and I'm yeah, mad that it that. happened on the road. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if it would have happened at home, post-game, I would have said to Baldelli, you finally listened to me, huh? <laughs> Is that what you just said? I probably would have, actually. Um what happens with me when I'm com- when I get comfortable in situations? I just start saying stuff, <laughs> right, yeah. uh, which happened earlier the, earlier this year. But and you know we saw Varlin work in relief. Yeah, 
they're still hoping, I think, to add Kirloff to the roster. My yeah. guess would be tonight. Yeah, uh, it sounds like so that might mean the end of Gallo, and then it's. Is Kirloff going to play only against righties? Are they going to try to use him kind of sporadically? There's also just how much does Correa get rested down the stretch? Ed Julian, while he's playing first base, could also – his right. legs could his use some time off, off a little right. bit. Michael Taylor they need to get back. And then there's all sorts of bullpen guys that they're right. trying to sort through. Varlin, Paddock is rehabbing. Yep. Brock Stewart still is hoping to come back. Alcal is hoping to come back. Then they got to figure out who's going to be the third starter. Right. And if Maeda is not the third starter, if that goes to Joe Ryan – do you start giving Maeda a couple of relief appearances down the stretch to prepare him for a postseason bullpen role? And so there's all sorts – and I'm, I'm forgetting stuff. I mean, Buck, <laughs> right, Buxton yes, obviously yes, right, is a yeah, factor right. too. And so there, that's all the stuff that there's about 20-something days right. to figure that stuff out. And While you're still trying to win the division. Right, while you're still trying to win <laughs> yes, the division, right, yeah. you want to give guys rest – you want to, especially I think with starting pitching, if you can get Sonny Gray an extra day between right. starts or yep. Pablo Lopez an extra day between starts, if you can avoid using Duran back-to-back at any point for the rest of the season, that'd be good. Right. But yeah. then you also got to kind of audition guys for roles because, A, you have to choose a 26-man roster where you're going to have 15-plus position players probably for 13 or 14 spots. You're going to have to figure out bullpen spots right. and all that. But then you, it does you no good to – literally maybe clinch a division on september i don't know 20th let's say if then two weeks later when the playoffs actually start you go we're gassed we're gassed like <laughs> the bullpen's all worn down the you know lopez has limped into a lot of postseasons yes. uh over the yes i mean not just actually not even just this generation of twins they limped into postseasons underneath mauer yeah uh, mauer and morneau and such yeah. i mean postseason. they never they've almost never in like there's yeah there's been years where Mauer and Morno were out there right. in 2019. Arise was hurt. Crone was hurt. Kepler was hurt. They were all banged up. Garver I think was right. banged up at that point. And then there's been a bunch of years where whatever their playoff rotation would have been was not right. like Pineda gets suspended and you get right. Randy Dobnik starting or Gibson gets bumped out of the rotation or so and so gets hurt right. and you end up with Brian Dunsing exactly starting. Right. Yes. And so you there's nothing you can do to just stop that. But there are some steps you can take to minimize that risk, and I think that's going to be such a big part of what happens here. Yeah. But that can and be, and we're going to we're going to uh, start unpacking. I think some of those in detail because I think some of those moves are going to be happening as early as today. We'll see what happens right. later today. But before we do that, let's quick cover uh, one of our brand new sponsors. Both uh, Aaron and I have downloaded the app. Odds are that's O D D S R. Odds are, and why is it called odds are? Because like us. Uh, it has to do with gambling. When we talk about odds of the Twins winning uh, the division, uh, that's what we're talking about. So there's a new app, and it's called, and it uses AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets. So this is not something that you go make bets on. This is just a tool that you to use you. to identify, right? So I went out there this morning. Uh, you know, there's two screens. Basically, one is, here's the smart bets we think uh, for today. And then the second screen is, here's just everything. And you can pick. You, you want to check yeah. on one game or something like that. I went and I found, uh, you know, I think it's picking uh, Colorado. It has something to say on Colorado and uh, the Giants today. Uh, I think on Sunday it has something uh, about the Vikings game as one of their smart bets. Uh, and, and I don't think Vikings fans are going to be too happy with that. It's absolutely worth checking out there. I would suggest checking it out, like downloading it today because you've got a full slate of Major League Baseball yeah, games You can tonight. see how they do. You've got a full slate of Major League Baseball and college football games tomorrow. Yeah. And Sunday, you got a full slate of Major League Baseball and NFL games on as well. It's uh, smart betting made simple. 
uh, on your odds are O D D S R is right. the name of the app on your mobile phone. And we got a special link for you to use to get straight to the download. Just for Gleeman and the Geek listeners, you can download the app at oddsr.com slash Gleeman and you get 30 days for free. That's right. It's oddsr, that's O-D-D-S-R, so oddsr.com slash Gleeman to get 30 days free. Yep. Also, uh, twins are back in town this weekend. Uh, and if you're going someplace before or after the game, I'll tell you one of the newer places. It's both an old place and a new place because there's a new place that is Bricksworth, but it used to be the old Darby's. Yes. And if, so if you know that, that, you and that I have great had many patio. a drink there. Yes. On right. the patio. On that patio. And we've had events there. Right. That yeah. end there. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's uh, right. We've had pub crawls yeah. that end there. You're right. Uh, but I, now it's Bricksworth, which is both a brewery and not only do they have pizza, they have the rectangular pizzas are ranked number one in Minnesota for Detroit-style pizza by the Washington Post. Like, it's that good a pizza. Also, great hazies. I know Phil Miller likes it there. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of pub food burgers. Right. But, yeah, the, they're known for the pizza. It's just a block from Target Field, uh, Gate 6, where the North Star Line is. Just Google Bricksworth, B-R-I-C-K-S-W-O-R-T-H, and find the uh, follow the signs of the great patio. Or, if you can't make it to Target Field this weekend, they've also got a great Burnsville location. You can watch the games on TV there. Yeah, a lot of TVs to watch sports. Yep, good mix of uh, pub food, Detroit style pizza, great beers, beer. yeah. sports bar environment, right. and then the great patio. Because to me, this is now perfect weather season. I got about three weeks a year in Minnesota where I actually like the weather, yeah. and this is it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Bricksworth Beer Company in the North Loop, uh, where the old Darby spot used to be. Yep, uh, right. Next Same to family that owns Blackstack Brewing. So if you if you know that award winning beer brewery, uh, this is the same same. Beer. John has tested it. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> so you li- he, he lived. So. That's good. Um, okay, so the Twins have, which this kind of surprised me, the fourth best record in the American League versus winning teams now. Yeah, that doesn't. I mean, I guess, I guess that surprises me in terms of like my overall thought about the quality of this team. But consistently throughout the season, we've been like. Oh, they did much better versus Houston than we thought True. they were going to do. They did better versus the Dodgers than we thought they were going to do. They did better than the, the Yankees, Yankees than we thought they were going to do. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, So the teams that are ahead of them are the Orioles, who have okay. the best record in the American League. Okay. The Rays, who are the second best team in the <laughs> most monstrous division, right. which that makes sense. And the Red Sox, who are also in that same division. <laughs> really? The Red Sox? Yes. Huh. They're like a game better than the Twins. Huh. But I guess my point there is, as we talk a lot about the remaining schedule and the Twins really all they have left in terms of winning teams are hard opponents. Right. They have the three against Tampa Bay to complete this upcoming road yeah, trip right. or uh, homestand, excuse me. And then they have a three game series against Cincinnati. And Cincinnati's not a great team. They're sort but of like the Twins. They're right in the NL West right. wild card. And that's right. it. They're a desperate team. <laughs> and so you might say, well, that's going to be a lot of crappy baseball down the stretch. That's going to be a lot of kind of. Uh, you know, trying to get right and trying to get healthy and prepare for the playoffs against weak opponents. And can that be a negative? Two things. One, and I mentioned this on the Patreon, is there's been many studies. Uh, people are always trying to study cause and effect and correlation Shit. for the playoffs right. because it is such a sort of uncrackable code of <laughs> yes. what actually wins in the playoffs. And everyone loves to say pitching, but that's not necessarily true. Right. 
uh, Chrissy being a Phillies fan, they had nine yep. Hall of Fame starters in the same rotation, yeah. and they didn't win. Yeah. I, I always point to that Detroit team that yeah. had like Verlander, Verlander Scherzer, and, yeah. Porcello, <laughs> yeah, right. Animal Sanchez, yeah, right. and I'm missing somebody. They they got swept. Right. Um, I heard that one member from that team, this is the 2014 Tigers, I think. One member of that team. That since then, I think they've got like five Cy Young awards between them. Yeah, right. And they got swept. And, and, and they got swept. They have like five Cy Young awards since then. And every year since then, one member of that uh, pitching staff has won the World Series. Well, yeah, Verlander <laughs> and Scherzer. I mean, right. these are yeah. guys who have dominated right. in October. It was crazy. Uh, yes. So, but part of that is also it. it it's conventional wisdom, or at least a cliche. That you want to go into the playoffs hot, right? You know, you don't want to clinch ten days out and just you know put your hangover lineup out there eight times right. and go two and six and then try to kind of restart the engine there on game one of the playoffs. Except, and I've read about this for twenty years that I've been involved in baseball writing and media and stuff. And people are cons- every couple of years there's a new study about this because people want it to be true, right? And it's just they want they want it to be something less more than just random, right? And there's no <laughs> correlation whatsoever between. Right. I'm pretty sure last ten games or even last twenty games, right. uh, and so your record down the stretch it matters in the sense that many playoff spots require playing well down the stretch. For instance, whoever the Twins play in the first round will have gotten the number six seed, the number three wild card right. out of three. Yep. Almost by definition, that team will have finished with a good record in the last 10 or 20 games because that's how they secured that spot because there was competition for that spot. But just as often, you get into a spot where it's, you know, the Twins situation, not as weak of a division, but you're up six or seven games with three weeks left. And it's like, it doesn't really much matter how we play other than we don't want to be terrible. And so that's why I started to think, well, they're not going to play a whole, there's not going to be a whole lot more kind of measuring sticks here. For the Twins. I mean, Tampa Bay you could maybe measure against. Cincinnati, I don't really think you're going to measure against much other than, you know, they're a decent team. Sure. There's nothing in the last week and a half to measure against other than, you know, Coors Field's nice to be at, I guess, and how bad are the A's or something like that. But they they did well against all their measuring sticks during the season. We just talked about how they took five out of seven against Texas. You mentioned Houston and and New York. They fared well against in the first half. I think they went four and two versus four and three versus. uh, I know they had their first winning winning record against New York in 20 years or something like that. Uh, And so, you know, they're. It's, there's not a cause and effect here, but I guess that's it, it also doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, like well, right. ultimately that's what you're saying is that the fact that they went four and two versus the Yankees in April and May right. doesn't really matter exactly. that much about you know, right. But people want things to matter. That's right. we talk a lot about how the the human brain it wants right. to find reasons for anything, even if there is no reason for it. You know what I mean? Right. Why did you flip that coin? Why did it land on heads? Was the wind pointing in this direction? <laughs> did you put your thumb on it when you flipped it? Right. What was the? And it's like, nope. That's just how things happen. And in sports, especially, we so badly just as a human race of people who look at sports right. want to find reasons and explanations and correlations and causation and all that. And sometimes you can find it if, yeah, you, if right. you dig enough and sometimes it's obvious but there's a lot of situations where people just want something so badly to be true that they almost don't care if sure. it's not true right uh and I, I think that's where you get with the playoffs and that to me is what makes baseball so fascinating but it's also what makes baseball so potentially frustrating of course 
which is especially when you have an outlier event like the twins going on 18 yeah, exactly. in a structure that yeah. really lends itself to coin flips a lot of the time or you know 60 40s a lot of the time and so you might think to yourself well the twins are built more around pitching now that should be to their advantage Maybe, Maybe. but probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or you might say, well, the Twins need to finish hot, so they go in playing well. Yeah, maybe, maybe but, but not really. Or yeah. you might say, well, what's their record against good teams? That'll really tell you a lot. Well, it's pretty good. It's fourth best in the American League. They're going to spend the last three weeks not playing any good teams, so right. what's the difference? Half those right. games yeah. came. Which, yeah, which one do you want to put more weight on? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's a weird way of what I really have tried to focus on over the like you know last 10 years, let's say. Because you get to a point where you write so many playoff previews, yeah. and I've written them in my life, not just about the Twins, but when I was running Baseball Prospectus for three years, we did a playoff preview of every game. We did a Pakoda projection for every game where I'd enter in the lineup. And, I, and you just learn the stuff you want to matter and the stuff that matters over six months right. doesn't matter right. because anything, truly, anything can happen. And what to me ends up mattering is you want to – Put faith in in home field. You want to put faith in health, which plays yeah, a that, huge yep, factor yep. because in our heads a lot of times, and this is true of all sports, you go, well, I know in basketball you look at a 3-6 matchup in the NBA playoffs in the first round or whatever, and you go, well, they won uh, 53 games right. and the sixth seed only won 44 games. It's like, well, if the 53-win team is missing their second and fifth best player, right. well, who cares how many games they yeah, won? Exactly. And in baseball, injuries play such a huge factor. And then the other thing that I looked at is matchups. And I don't mean matchups like you just hinted at. The, there's no real value to me in saying, well, they went 5-2 and two against Texas. Right. Or they went 4-2 uh, and two against Houston or whatever it was. That's better than the opposite if you're the Twins. But there's no predictive value in that because you look at half those games and it's like right. that was won by a guy who's not even going to be on the playoff roster. That was On the other hand, if they have a rotation with a bunch of good left-handed right. pitchers right. or, or you know, exactly right. dominant right-handed pitchers and also mediocre left-handed pitchers that yes. they can somehow pull. I think you know, the, the like, stylistic aspect of matchups. Right. is much more important to me. Yeah. And th- what that means is they got exactly what you said, which is the Twins want to face right-handed pitching. Right. <laughs> because if you just look at their lineup, I mean, just think of what they have. Uh, I think I wrote this down. When, when they face left-handed pitching. They're right. up to fourth in uh, when, against right-handed pitching. Right. They're up to fourth in the American League in OPS. Yeah. Uh, and yep. you think of what they have. Well, they're about to get Kirilov back. Right. They got Polanco as a switch hitter. They got Kepler, who's been fantastic in the second half. They got Ed Julian and, and Matt Walner, who have right. been great rookies. And then they even have some role players like Castro, who have done a really nice job. Yeah. They want to face righties because they can stack that six guys I named right there. Right. You add in, you know, Carlos Correa and the catcher spot, which are going to be right-handed. Right. Yep. And it's like that is a lineup that no right-handed pitcher is going to love facing because they got power. They draw walks. They, yes. it's, there's a lot of depth. On the other hand, against lefties, they've struggled all season. Mm-hmm. They've been one of the worst in baseball against lefties, and you can see why. They thought Buxton was going to be productive against lefties. He wasn't, and now he's just now out of the picture. Yeah. They thought Miranda was going to be a clean-up type of hitter against lefties. He hasn't done anything, and now he's out of the picture. So really, you start to look at, well, what does the lineup look like against lefties? And it's like Correa, yeah, Jeffers, the, the catcher and- spot. <laughs> then you start to get into like Farmer and right. Taylor and some guys like that. And so when I say matchups, like who do they want to play in the first round, I don't care what the record of that team is. I don't care what the run differential is. I, don't, I certainly don't care what the Twins' season series in three games or six games or seven games right. was against this team. What I want to know is what do they do well, or even just what do they do mm-hmm. stylistically. Like we talked about Cleveland. Well, if you have a, a 
a high strikeout pitching staff that gives up home runs, you're going to have to consider them in a different light if they're playing Cleveland because right. Cleveland puts the ball in play and never hits home runs. Right. And so it's kind of like our strengths for right. your strengths. Yep. Are we? And so when I, when we try to, and we'll get into this as the the picture, not from the twin standpoint, but as the wild card picture starts to kind of clarify a little bit, it, right. maybe it won't. But yeah, it's it's hard to tell when we're going to yes. really have a good idea about it. I mean, what's going to have to happen is one of those teams in the AOS is going to have to completely fall apart or something right. to, to clear. Or Which we've or, sort of or, seen or, from Texas. Or, yeah, right. And, and the truth is, is that. Well, like we just said, with those top three teams in the AL West, one's going to be in first, one's going to be in second, one's going to be in third, and the third place team could miss the postseason completely. Right. Blue Jays right now have the last spot. Right. Right. So it's one of those, th- and it, it could be any of those three teams. We could be facing Houston. Yeah. Here we could be facing Seattle. Here I we think the facing- most likely here are right now. It looks like I would rank it in order of their most likely opponent as of what is today? Today is uh, September eighth, as of ten a.m. on September eighth. I would say it's Toronto. Texas, Seattle, Houston, in that order is that, are the likelihood. Is that, is that because if you take a, I haven't taken a look at the playoff probabilities or the division winning probabilities right. in the AOS. Is Houston favored to, to win that division right now? Well, if you think they're a stronger team, just like on paper, yes. Okay, I mean, yeah. it's I, I, I'm, awesome. just talking, I'm just talking like they're in baseball perspectives or fan graphs right. or something like that. Are they the one that is the leading yeah, one right now, I mean, or the other teams? Slightly, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I think I just have no faith in Texas. Now they just lost. Uh, another good player, right. Garcia, to an injury. And, I mean, we saw plenty of Texas. Um, right. you know, Scherzer came out of that game with Scherzer. Sh- Does he? He just got it? rocked yesterday or two Ugh. days ago. Gave okay. up uh, seven runs or something to the Astros. The Astros just swept Texas uh, in that <laughs> okay. matchup, which is their big rivalry, obviously. Right. And so most of those teams, like, I don't want anything to do with Houston. I've seen that story already. <laughs> yes. Um, I agree with you. You know, I remember like as a kid in the mid '90s, it was uh, the Houston Rockets. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of Houston, uh, they had won the championship the year before with Akeem Olajuwon, right. and then they added Clyde Drexler, and they weren't that good the next year. They were like the sixth seed right. or the seventh seed or something like that. And I remember their coach Rudy Tomjanovich said his big thing was never underestimate the heart of a champion. And he, I remember I watched an interview on like Inside the NBA when I was right. a kid. I was like thirteen right. or whatever. He was like. Uh, I guarantee you nobody wants to play us in the first round. Right. No matter what our we could you could say we're the fiftieth seed. Right. We could have gone zero and eighty two. Right. If we were in the playoffs, nobody wants to play us, and they won they, as the sixth seed or right. whatever. They yes. won the championship, and you know maybe it's a stretch to consider the Astros that way. They've lost some key guys, but they've also re-added now Verlander. And yeah. They've re-added. Yep. Um, but I don't want to play them. I don't want anything to do with Altuve and Bregman and Alvarez yes, and either. some other guy, Tucker, and that pitching staff. They have shown they know how to get through playoffs right. postseason. That's the thing. Now, <laughs> yeah, it would right. be fun from a narrative standpoint to have Correa yes. and Houston, and there's some fun. other stuff in there that's fun, too. be not fun to knock off the champs. Well, that's true, too. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. the literal <laughs> champs. Like You shouldn't right. want to play them, even though they haven't been quite as strong, but they've been playing well lately. Right. They're also number one starter. Well, it's probably Verlander, but... Fran Valdez right. is a lefty who's right. been great and you know is not a great matchup for the Twins and, and all that stuff. So I think you should probably be rooting for Houston to continue to be hot and to take over control of that division. Then it's either going to be Seattle, if, oh, Toronto. If Houston takes over that division, yeah, uh, I would rather Houston finishes in second. Because if Houston takes over that division, the Twins advance. They have to face Houston. Right. In the My feeling round. on that is you're going to be happy that they're in the second round. Do you yeah, know what I mean? a, yeah, I get. I, I absolutely would be thrilled if they make it to the second round. I, I still uh, want them on the entire other side of the bracket. Let's not start <laughs> s'ing each other's d's here. But to quote uh, Winston Wolfe in Pulp Fiction, 
or to paraphrase. I want Seattle to win that division. I want Houston I to be in saying, second, but, and I want either the Rangers or uh, Blue Jays to be the team we end up facing. Yeah, that's like that's like being on a first date. You haven't had a successful second date in twenty years, <laughs> yeah, and you're going. There. I hope the fifth date goes well here. And it's like, buddy, you got to get through dinner. Like you gotta, you know what I mean? You got to get her not to walk out in the middle of dinner here. I speak from experience there. Uh, so yeah, this is all the stuff that is going to be kind of at play the next three or four weeks of September, and then we hope uh, right. a decent sized playoff run. And uh, we would love to have you join the Patreon and kind of ride along with us. We'll be doing three episodes a week, one of which will be the one you're listening to now, which is free on Fridays. Yep. But then we'll be doing Monday episodes and Wednesday episodes, uh, and you can get them all at patreon.com slash Gleeman. The uh, couple just little things. Uh, we talked about Kirilov. Yeah. That's, I wanna, yeah, that's I wanna, not I, official I wanna, or anything, I but I'm just assuming that. he's going to come back tonight. The question then becomes, what's the roster move? I would sit here and scream into the microphone. Oh, it should be Joey <laughs> I Gallo. I presume it's Joey Gallo. But the guy's like a like a cock like, <laughs> like a cockroach. He just he, he stays around. There's always some other injury. <laughs> There's always some other roster whatever that keeps him around i mean we've been talking about this for literally six weeks of, it could be that there's another injury that they're dealing right. with there's somebody they want to put on the I mean, il that knows. we don't know about i mean i suppose they could also consider you know shortening their bullpen again or something like right. that going with them. i don't sure. think that's gonna be the case because they are in the middle of this isn't something where they're just uh They've got, you know, a three-game series, and then they've got a day off or something like that. They've got now, what, 13 games in a row, 14 games in a row? Like, their next off day isn't for well, and, a couple of weeks. I mean, we've talked about this, but I think it, it's never become clear with yeah. a player that the front office is keeping them on the roster and the manager wants to not play them. Right. And I don't mean that in a way that, like, Baldelli and the front office are feuding over Joey Gallo. They're not. But you see it in the usage, which right. is yeah. – I know people are like, well, why does Rocco keep playing him? Well, because Rocco doesn't want to play with a man short for weeks at a time. <laughs> he has to use bench spots, right. especially the way he likes to make – He's got a left-handed batter. Right. It's a but, right-handed pitcher. But you see now, run. he didn't start any of the Cleveland games, right. which is a tell because yep. those are the key games. Right. And they were facing right-handed starting pitchers. Right. When he has start, when Gallo has started games recently, which is sporadically and always against righties, he's batted ninth as a yes. first baseman. Yep. He's often, even in those circumstances, been removed for a pinch hitter in the fifth, sixth inning. Basically, the first opportunity to play a matchup, they take him out and bring in someone. Sometimes they bring in like Jordan Luplo, a, le right. a righty, right. to face a righty instead of letting Gallo, a yeah. lefty, stay in. And then he's also getting used as like a pinch runner or defensive replacement, which yeah. is hilarious given you know his history <laughs> as a slugger. And the, all those yeah. things to me point to a manager saying, "This is the hand I've been dealt." Right. But I don't have I'm gonna to try and put you some things where you might succeed. Right. But I'm going to try to minimize the impact, negative or positive. Right. I'm going to try to spot you in a couple of situations so you're still you're playing. I'm using the roster spot. I'm kind of keeping the wheels in motion there. Right. But to me, you know, just in general, he's a left-handed hitting corner outfielder, first baseman. Yeah. You're bringing back Kirilov, who fits that description exactly, uh, and. Julian is now getting some reps at first base as a left-handed yeah. first base option there. So uh -huh. what do you even need that for? Uh, right. And and especially now that Gallo's barely playing. But with that said, I've been wrong about Joey Gallo now for <laughs> it is, but like, 200 it is consecutive possible somebody else goes on the IL. But it's always I, it's always possible. <laughs> uh, let's see. I will be interested. I mean, the the other half of that is the other half I'm more interested in though, which is 
I want to see what Kirilov yes, can do I now. Agree. I mean, I'm really excited to see what he's doing. I'm excited to see whether he plays first or he DHs, how much they use him in various positions, right? Because I think you playing Julian at first base, start you know, finally kind of breaking that glass a little bit and seeing what happens. I you know, I think you can just put Kirilov at first base. You don't have to worry about Julian playing first base again for a while. Sure. But I could also see them th- saying yeah, he's dealing with the shoulder thing. Maybe we don't want him, you know, having people run through tags right. or have him sprawling well, out that, along first that's base. That's how he got hurt. That exactly. Was diving that's for a ball. That's what I'm saying. Or, and within that, along those same lines, well, what happens if he does get hurt right. over the next three weeks right. and you need a new first baseman mm-hmm. and you have cut Joey Gallo? Playing Julian over there half the time down the stretch could really open up some things, and then all of a sudden the DH spot is open. If you want to play better defense in the outfield and you want to put Walner at DH, you want to put Buxton at DH because now he's uh, very much – well, he's always a question mark, but even (laughs) by his – he was pulled off his rehab – uh, with uh, knee soreness right. after playing like one in I mean, one third I, games. I wondered whether or not Julian might go on the IL when Gal or when uh, Kirilov came right. back. But then the fact that he, he quit, he actually played first base. Well, and he started a game me, at second right, base, which made is me think, okay, those are both that they good signs was, that he's feeling a little bit better with the hamstring. It was funny that it took them like three months. I like to think my persistent <laughs> nagging has played a part, but probably not. It took them like three months to finally be like, all right, let's see Julian at first base. First ball. Of the first start at first right, base yeah. is an errant throw that he has to leave the bag, catch, and then apply a sweep tag, and he did it pretty nicely. Yeah, and then he had three or four he, balls yeah, hit yeah, to him. Yeah, no, I noticed uh, that. And like he, before before the raid delay, he yeah. had like three three, and he did fine yeah, on all fine. of them. Right. Uh, you know, he uh, he did all, he made all the plays he was supposed to make. You know, did he look a little awkward over there? Yeah, maybe he's gonna. That's, I mean, everybody who plays first right. base for the first. 15, 20 games of their career are going to look a little awkward yeah. there. But I, I do think it opens up some things, particularly pending, like you said, Kirilov, you want to use him at DH, or pending Kirilov not being healthy, uh, all that stuff. But getting Castro back um, is also big because Michael Taylor now is on the I.L. with a hamstring injury. They're hoping that's only like a two-week thing and he'll be back. When, but did, he, when did he go on? Uh, for the start of this. For the start of this road Sunday. trip. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's probably, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, so we, so, so he get, he, we won't see him during the Mets series for sure. It's, he's right. got to be there for a little. But now you have Castro, who played center field yesterday. Right. Yeah. Uh, you have Andrew Stevenson, who was called up as a left-handed hitter with some speed. Uh, option to play some center field because, that again, if you remove Gallo from the roster, that takes a center field option away. But I would argue that Gallo was just a center field option in the sense that they picked him and threw right. him out in center field. Anybody – under I, that I same forgot, logic, I had, I'd forgotten about Stevenson. He could be sent down for Kirilov too. Uh, yeah, although Gallo gets put back into the center field rotation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anything's possible with this uh, front office and one year contract uh, yeah, yeah. performers. But uh, and then uh, let's see, there was one other thing. Uh, yeah, but yeah, getting Willie Castro back. I mean, Willie Castro leads all Twins hitters in win <laughs> probability added, and he's like third now in WAR, so right. just because he missed so much time, but. I don't. That's not predictive. That's not to say Willie Castro is the guy you absolutely need in your lineup for Game One of a playoff series. But his defensive flexibility has been super helpful for them, as evidenced by he didn't even play center field for most of the year. But now yes. he's probably their starting center fielder for the next week or so at least. Right. Uh, his base stealing and base running has been essential to the Twins. I mean, it's made a huge impact. He's their thir- first thirty steal guy in like ten years since I think Ben Revere or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and his hitting, while kind of Mediocre overall, 
which matches his career, he's in clutch he's, spots. He's, he's just been he's phenomenal. Been great, and that doesn't mean that's going to continue. But those wins, you don't have to give them back right. that he added. And so getting Willie Castro back in terms of in-game moves and defensive flexibility and all that, uh, that's pretty big too. So I think all that, you know, Kirilov, Buxton stuff is in play. What do they do with Gallo? And then within that, how do they kind of ease Kirilov back in? What do they do with Julian defensively? How do they use the DH spot? And then you also, Polanco could use some days off his feet always. We know Correa could, we use, know some Correa could <laughs> use some days right. off that heel yep. always. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be, they're going to be heavily incentivized to c- kind of have a rotation in the lineup. Yes. And all I'm saying is, don't get freaked out if now you would hope that you if don't you want to career for three days, right? Or, <laughs> right. You, or you know, if Max Kepler was just out of the lineup on a random day against right-handed pitcher, right. you go, well, "What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. They just want Max Kepler to be at a hundred percent for right. game one of a yeah. playoff series." And I know that's like an easy. You can sort of attach that logic to any uh, decision making and just sort of uh, rule it fine under that. Yeah. And I realize that, but it is kind of true because you know. All of a sudden now we've been building up and building up to having to win this division. We've talked about it and talked about it. And you get to the top of that mountain or the hill, let's right. call it. It's not even a mountain, this yep. division. And then you go, all of a sudden this matters not at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. yeah, you're here. Yeah. So, you know, take a take a selfie at the top and let's <laughs> keep going. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to want to kind of restock your water and you're going to want to, I don't know what people do when they climb mountains. <laughs> you don't restock your water at the top. You restock your water. <laughs> I do. There's a stream at the top. I dig in. No, I, I ordered. That's not how streams work. <laughs> I ordered, I ordered Dasani to be delivered to the top of the mountain there you go, yeah. from Air DoorDash. Lifted, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where things are at. So think if you see odd decisions by which I mean, Hey, why didn't they use jacks here? They usually use jacks right. here. Yes, but did he pitch yesterday? Right. Did he, yeah. Has he pitched right. two out of three? Or why isn't Kepler starting? Or why is Correa out of the lineup? Or why is Kirilov at DH or whatever? Or well, how come they bumped everyone back in the rotation? Yeah. Think to yourself first and foremost. This is not to say those have to all be great decisions. Sure, but just like the baseline should be in your head. You go, does is this an attempt to? Get to the finish line in better shape. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to guess. Is this most a look of forward to October third, fourth, and fifth? Right. Right. Exactly. That's right. Uh, okay. So before we get anything else, let's do our last couple of sponsors. For breakfast this morning, I had an apple, which I always have. But then sometimes, as you know, Aaron Gleeman, I like to make myself a little breakfast sandwich or something. Yeah. Right. You know, you've seen the bre- my, my amazing breakfast I sandwich that I do. I get off the elevator here and I smell it in the hallway. <laughs> I did not have time to make a breakfast sandwich today. So you know what I grabbed? Some chomps. I did. I grabbed yeah. some chomps. I grabbed a chomps meat stick, and I also paired it with like a uh, one of those string cheese. Oh, I thought you were gonna say with some wine. <laughs> Goes well with a nice red, nice cab. I got a little string cheese and a chomps meat uh, stick on the Merlot that really fit the, <laughs> the spot. That was my breakfast this morning. Uh, my my, uh, my breakfast sandwich this morning was chomps and a meat stick. Uh, people are going back to school right now. I know for me, September, and for Chrissy, September has always been a crazy month as you know the kids have all these activities, all this other stuff going on. Sometimes the kids are are really busy, and we have found a great way to... Yes, this would be a good... A nice, ho- high-protein snack Yes, is the Chomps Meat Sticks. Yeah, it would be good if you're a kid and you open your lunch. Oh, giddy up. And you got one of these in yeah, there. Yeah, uh, you're going to be able to trade. It makes uh, snacking <laughs> simple. It's got no unhealthy additives, zero sugar. Like you said, a lot of protein, low carb, 
allergy friendly, no filler, keto friendly, yeah. natural ingredients that you can feel good about. Whether you're eating it, you're giving it to your kid. Uh, they come in nine flavors. They sent us kind of a sample pack that yep. we both trying. There's okay. a whole bunch of there's meat, there's beef, <laughs> there's turkey, there's all kinds of stuff. I, the, I think taco is a brand new one they're putting. Yeah. We had some taco ones that were really good. Chrissy liked the taco one. Uh, so uh, lots of five star reviews. They they only source from farmers who raise the animals humanely and farm responsibly. And, and our listeners can get twenty percent off their first order, plus free shipping when you go to Chomps dot com slash gleeman that's c-h-o-m-p-s chomps dot com slash gleeman you'll get 20 percent off your first order and they will include free shipping that's c-h-o-m-p-s dot com slash gleeman don't forget to use our link so that they know uh we sent you yeah nice little life hack those meat sticks and also a hack for this weekend going to the game download the game time app it's a Simple way to be able to download tickets to the uh, to the Twins game. I often use it. I will get out the gate with Chrissy. She and I have a couple tickets already, but we're meeting a friend. And, uh, geez, we, we like to get our friend a ticket. Uh, I'll do it on my way. I will do it literally walking to the game uh, because I've downloaded the Game Time app, and I used uh, I uh, used the uh, promo code Gleeman to, uh, to do it. And as such, your first purchase, if you do that, you also get 20 bucks off. Um, they specialize in sort of last minute tickets, and, hard to find, uh, tickets. hard to find, and not tickets. only sporting events but yeah. concerts and shows. And exactly stuff right. Too. So you just download the Game Time app on your phone wherever you get your apps at the App Store. You create an account and then you use the promo code Gleeman. You get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account, redeem the code Gleeman on the Game Time app for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, okay. All right, you meat stick. Let's talk about some other stuff. <laughs> it's funny to do ads for a meat stick when we know a guy who goes by meat sauce. <laughs> could you use the meat stick to make meat sauce? You could. And then that's really... Uh, when I was in uh, the studio one day with... Uh, Henry Winkler came in. The Fonz. Really? Yeah. And, I never and get they, any they, cool they, celebrity... They, they introduced him to meat sauce. Yeah. And he's like... Like, carbonara? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Specifically, yeah. <laughs> I always think of like a bolognese, bolognese or whatever. Yeah, me, nothing fancy. Just we chopped up some beef and we threw it in a red sauce. Yeah, meat sauce. I don't even know that. I don't want to know. I'm sure there's some those, story. Those were it. all. I mean, Sludge is Corey's nickname. Yeah. They were all made by Mike Morris. Yeah, superstar made up. He yeah. was just good with nicknames. He yeah. just started calling you, and that's what you were going to be called now for the rest well, of your time. Good's an interesting descriptor. <laughs> he was so prolific with nicknames. I don't know, good. Uh, yeah, it used to be Sludge and Lake. I used to listen yeah, to. Yeah. They were sort of uh, the weekend guys yeah, a lot yeah. of the time. Now Henry Lake is on CCO. I see yeah. him a lot at Twins yeah. games, and Sludge is uh, a billionaire from selling the initials game. <laughs> that's right, Corey Cove, um, and from playing poker. Corey's really the only guy in media I respect. <laughs> Because I know he's a winning poker player. Yeah. I know that for a fact. He uh, he would tell you he's That's, not actually a winning poker well, player. Well, <laughs> okay. But he's the best poker player I know, probably. Um, and I respect that in a weird way, like more than anything else. Like you might say, sure. well, what about uh, Barrero? He's been number one in the ratings for 20 years. Yeah, but 
I could approximate that. Like I've done enough radio shows and hosted stuff where I don't really. I've not been a winning tournament poker player. And you, probably, you filled in for Barrero. Well, right. We, it was hard, but it wasn't hard in the sense that the content was hard. It was hard in the sense that we were like two hours in, and I was like, "We got another ninety minutes of this." We I tell him that all the time. I go, "This is a long show." And he goes, well, "You're telling me, I'm like, do it for thirty years, see how you feel." I was like, no thanks. Anyway, um, okay, so. The other experiment that they've clearly already put the wheels in motion with is is Louis Varlin in the bullpen. I w- as that rain delay was shaping yeah. up, I thought to myself, "Well, they timed this yeah, just perfect perfectly, right?" And uh, a, if there's anybody on the roster who's not going to mind pitching in the dreary, you know, <laughs> early fall weather <laughs> right. in Cleveland, it's going to be the guy from you know <laughs> North St. Paul. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. I don't care. Whatever. Right. I'll go yeah. like long toss in yeah. a parking lot yeah. in January. I pitched in the snow in yeah. March. <laughs> He's literally pitched in the snow. I've seen videos of him doing it. Uh, and so, you know, we talked about this going back weeks, where the Twins kind of started dropping hints of, I think once the Keuchel to the rotation got set in motion and the obvious question from people like me at the time was why not just go with varland right and their thought was well this way we have both which is always a consideration from them they always try to accumulate the most depth but then they started pretty quickly after that started saying well we got other plans for for varland down the stretch in part because they kind of want to limit his workload a little bit but in part because of what we saw, which is they gave him one relief outing at AAA, 54 pitches. He threw four innings, so it ended up kind of like a start. Right. But that's just because he was efficient with 54 pitches. Right. And even in that, the first couple innings, I, I streamed it when he was uh, it was like a week ago, last Thursday, I want to say. Uh, first couple innings, 97, 98, 99. Right. He topped out at 100 with the, with the fastball. He was slinging sliders in there. He was getting swings and misses. And it's easy to see, you know, for the most part, any starting pitcher that you move to the bullpen – is going to be more effective on an inning-per-inning basis. That's just how it works. Because you can go max effort. You can eliminate your weakest pitches. You can rely more heavily on your strongest pitches. You don't have to worry about getting through the order three times. You don't have to pace yourself physically or from a matchup and, you know, sort of game theory standpoint. And so, but there's a, some guys are much better in the bullpen. Some guys are just slightly better in the bullpen. And so, I know with like uh, Joe Ryan or Bailey Ober, they feel like, yeah, those guys will be fine out of the bullpen, but we don't think there's the potential there for a big velocity jump or eliminating a pitch for them right. doesn't really do that much. Right. But with a guy like Louis Varlin, who A, is already throwing 95 pretty consistently as a starter, which is impressive right. on yes. its own. Right. He's been a velocity gain development yes. success story for yes. them. Uh, I mean, I talked to him. I a said, crazy I said to him, success story. Yeah. Like, when he first came up this year, I was like, what were you throwing when you first got to Concordia, like 92, 93? And he was like, 92, 93? There isn't a guy in that conference who's thrown 92, 93 as a freshman ever. Right. He was like, 88? Right. And he said to me, I literally only had a fastball. Right. And I go, oh, no confidence in your breaking stuff. And he goes, no, no, no. I didn't have a off pitch. <laughs> right. like, I just threw fastballs. Right. And now you look at him, and the fastball is still the go-to pitch. He's added a cutter. He's added a changeup. He goes with a slider now. And... He's 95 plus as a starter, but it's a. I mean, they were pretty confident that if you just put him in a relief role, even a multi inning relief role, which I think it's going to be for now, right. and you just tell him go max effort, you're not going to face the same hitter again. You're going to face him once. You might only pitch an inning, or you might try to get six outs, nine outs, whatever. Right. The velocity just immediately jumps, and he eliminates the need to use his changeup as much. 
They can spot him if they would like to against more right-handed hitters. Yep. And so the problem for him has been homers. Right. Uh, strikeouts have been fine. Walks have been fine. Vol- the stuff is there. He just has given up too many homers in the majors. And one way to eliminate that is better raw stuff because right. 99 over the plate gets hit for a homer much less often than right. 95 over the right. plate. Eliminate the, the worst pitch, the worst pitches, <laughs> right. yep. and even kind of dial back, and you can go very fastball heavy if you want. If yep. you're just throwing 99, yep. I mean, we've seen that. And so, I'm very curious with him, and this is kind of what we're talking about: experimenting down the stretch, trying different things yep. out, trying to figure out is this guy suitable for the playoffs? What's the best role for yep. him? How confident can we be with him? And so, I think what we're going to see is first couple of times maybe. It's an interesting call from a realtor I dealt with like five years ago. What could that possibly be? I don't know. Turns out you didn't sign this. You gotta, you guys gotta move out. Uh, anyway, with with Varlin, I'm not gonna answer that. Uh, I'm like you now. I'm just taking calls during the show. <laughs> that's a first. That's the first phone call I've gotten from a number I recognize in about six months. So that tells you how the people in my life view me. I'm gonna guess it's a butt dial. Having a name that starts with AA, yeah, that's probably you get a lot of butt, butt dials. dials. I get, I get. Let's hope Becky's. Not. I get butt dials from like, f- like people I've dated, where like I don't think they'd call me if the world was ending. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll get butt, and I'll be like, uh, anyway. hey, hey, you get to eat first in the elementary school line, and then thirty years later you get a butt dial from someone you went on three dates with fourteen years ago. Anyway, um, with Varlin, I think they're going to kind of ramp him down the same way you would ramp a guy <laughs> yeah, up, which is his first relief outing at AAA was four innings and 54 pitches. I think, he, what did he go, two plus? Three. Three yeah. against Cleveland. Yep. I think they envision if it goes smoothly and he continues to maintain upper 90s and top out at 100 type of velocity and he continues to have success, I do think they envision, like, could he just pitch the sixth inning of game two of a playoff series yes. as a just normal reliever? One inning. Yeah. Or two, I mean, could be two, but I think more of a middle relief role or even kind of secondary setup role versus like a bulk long relief. But I think in the meantime, I'll be interested to see because we've talked a lot about a lot of names as sort of middle relief, multi-inning guys, right? right? Varland is one. Maeda is another one. Right. And I think Keichel could also fit into that or as well. Paddock, if healthy. Or maybe Paddock, we if he's healthy. Right? Three innings in a rehab start. The other and day. I'm going to be interested to see which of those end up kind of staying in that role or wanting to, wanting to, they want to keep them lengthened out in case they need a fourth starting pitcher in round two of the playoffs postseason, yeah. right? They're going to have to keep some, some guys long, right? And then which of them they shorten up to help things out because they know that, you know, they are. You know, two plus high leverage guys in the pen, right. both of whom are struggling a little bit or look a little, look a little gassed. Well, I mean, just the structure of the first round, even three games in three days, right. it it's not going to allow you to just use Duran, Jackson, Theobar right. three times. I mean, you can, yeah. yep. but by that third game, well, those guys this? are going to be on fumes. I mean, the other thing that you could maybe see here in the regular season is, you know, they go into the seventh inning with a two-run lead, and they bring in Varland to pitch the seventh and say, why don't you now pitch the eighth and pitch the ninth because we're going to rest Jackson Duran because sure. they were yeah. they were around you yesterday. You can play it by ear a you little could, bit. I, I, I will be just, I'll be interested to see how they do that these last three weeks when it's it's not, you're not committing to something for 162 games right, right now. You're committing to it for 20 games, right. right? And then also, 
uh, we kind of wanted to just see how this works in this role. And well, that's see, so. It's going to be so much like of it with Varlin because he's never done it before. Right. With Maeda potentially because it's been five years since he's done it. Mm-hmm. He had success in L.A. doing it a lot, right. but and then with the other guys because of injuries, you don't know what you're getting with Paddock or Brock Stewart, or right. Alcala, right. or any of these guys, and so it's first about just can these guys pitch on a Monday and come back and pitch on a Wednesday. Then it's about well, what's their stuff like what's their effectiveness like do we can we trust them and there's not that much time to build up trust at this stage i mean a reliever who comes back today like if if they activated brock stewart today which he's (laughs) not ready to be activated right he he might pitch six times five times before they have to decide is he on the playoff roster and are we going to use him in game one of a playoff series and so that's sort of what we've been getting at here is those are the these are the important things now. Yes, you got to win games because you got to actually, you know, right. get that X next to your name yes, or whatever right. on the standings. Yeah. That means you actually won it. Right. But within that, there's so many. They got bigger fish to fry. Like they got bigger things to sort out, and yep. not that much time to do it. And you only have so much playing time, and you don't want to just punt these games. You don't want to treat it like spring sure. training. You right. don't want to just go. Well, we're up three to one in the sixth inning. We're going to go right. Louis Varlin to Brock Stewart to Jorge Alcala, and we're going to have Paddock close. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, you could if you literally don't care what happens in that game, but you got to <laughs> yes. kind of balance out those things. Uh, here's one thing: you also only have so many roster spots. Well, that's true. <laughs> too, right? Like, uh, how many different people do we have? I, I think we should probably just spend five minutes before the end of this going like, who is on rehab assignment in St. Paul right now, and you know how right. close are they? Right. You know, because I think we think Paddock might be starting a rehab assignment. No, he there. pitched. Oh, did he already oh, pitch? Not at St. Paul. He pitched at Fort Myers. Oh, Fort Myers. Okay, two good. and two thirds. All right. Uh, well, two days ago, three days. Great. Uh, I think he said the twenty second is what he's targeting to rejoin the Twins. Obviously, okay. it can change. That was right. like a week ago. He said that when he was at Target Field, but. Uh, yeah, there's three or four relievers. There's Kirloff. There's Buxton. I mean, they also, by the way, Funderburg <laughs> and some other things. Well, yeah, but he's not rehabbing. I'm no, saying that's, rehabbing I'm guys. saying in terms of the roster moves right. that they're going to try and find. They can find spots. Here's people what, that they're I testing mean, stuff. You know, I don't want to be mean to specific relievers, but sure. there's been some relievers who have spent time weeks at a time in this bullpen, essentially not doing much. Fair, right? Yeah. Uh, right. You know, even a guy like Dylan Floro. Right. Well, that's true too. I mean, if you feel strongly that you want to give Chris Paddock or Brock Stewart a look, I don't think Dylan Florio is going to keep you from doing that. But then you also have just the, the Winder Sands Hedrick type of right. spots. That's I know right. Sands yes. has been sent down, but anyway. Uh the one thing about Varlin I want to mention is I saw some quotes from after his debut as a reliever Wednesday. Uh, where he was asked about it, and he said, you know, I, I can throw this hard. Like, if you want me to throw 100, I can throw 100. Right. But then his other interesting thing was, you know, he said, he made it very clear. He said, I still view myself as a starter, and sure. I kind of wanted to talk to the Twins as I heard the rumors of this. I'm sure he's, li- I'm sure he's a big listener to the show. <laughs> sure. probably, uh, I would I will guarantee that a member of the Varlin family is a listener to this <laughs> podcast, just from a demographic standpoint. First of all, there's a million of them. <laughs> yeah. They're all in St. Paul or North St. Paul. I, I'll guarantee that. Hi, Varlin family. <laughs> you guys are great. Um, Varlin Drywalling or whatever their <laughs> company name is that they do. Anyway. He kind of said, once I started hearing rumors of them wanting to push me to the bullpen late, I did want to kind of sit down with Rocco or sit down with whoever and say, what's like, is this just this season? Right. Do you guys no longer view me as a starter? Because he's been pretty adamant. I still think of myself as a starter. And here's the truth. With Sonny Gray and Kent Maeda as free agents. Right. There's room for him and He could absolutely be in the rotation on opening day. And if not opening day, certainly be sixth in line. Right. 
I think uh, they're planning on it right. right now. And so he spoke about after the game Wednesday, and I thought it was interesting because he's like, I still view myself as a starter, and I all I wanted to confirm was that they still view me as a starter. Right. And once they said that to me, I said, okay, well, right. for now, I'll do anything you want me to do. And that's what you want to hear. And Paddock right. said the same thing when we talked to him a week ago right. at Target Field, which is I don't view what happens over the next month as having anything to do with what happens you know, next sure. spring. right. I do think I'm a starter. I think they view me as a right. starter. Same thing with Varlin. But if they it's want all hands me, on deck right now. Right. Yes, right. It's like if you're football and it's like if you want me to play special teams in the playoffs, I'll play special teams in the playoffs. And right. that's the exact attitude you would want. It doesn't right. surprise me either of those guys, but especially with Varlin, it doesn't right. surprise me that he would take that attitude. But I think it also be- doesn't tra- doesn't surprise me that he would be like, yeah, but right. I, I, I think that's I, smart. I, 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 I'm yeah, sure right. that will rub some it, people the t- wrong way, but I don't, I don't think, I think so. that's smart. I, the, the danger is, of course, that it goes something like uh, it goes too well. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, we've seen that before. You know, a guy comes up, he's, oh, he's a starter or something. Oh, God, this guy's really a dominant uh, yeah. eighth inning s- closeout yeah. guy. You know, you get he just saved uh, game six in the ALDS. We do see that a lot, right? Because it's like <laughs> right. if you kn- like if if Louis Varlin pitches, you know, eight innings as a reliever down the stretch, right. and he's like flawless, and then he gets into the playoffs and they make a little playoff run, they win a series or whatever, and he's pitching the seventh inning a bunch of times and he just looks great. He's throwing ninety nine, right. slider looks good. And then you. Go into the off season and you go, well, one thing we kind of know is Louis Varlin can be a really good reliever. <laughs> right. We suspect that Louis Varlin can also be a pretty good starter. Yeah, we've seen him be a pretty good starter. But we know he can be a really good reliever. So maybe we don't mess with this. Yeah. And so that's what he kind of wanted to clarify, which I, I think is smart. I'm but. betting. I'm betting even if he has a great deal of success in the postseason, they're still going to come. They're still well, going to be like next year. Yeah, because it, here's you're, the you're right that it is a trap that they could fall under that nobody expects the, to happen, sure. right? But I got to be thinking that it's just harder to but pick up. Yes, <laughs> pick I mean, up starters. It, you can always like. move to the bullpen. Right. It's never too late for that. Right. I mean, Glenn Perkins did it at 30. <laughs> right. After discu- he told us he discussed it for three different years with right. the Twins, and then finally was like, "All right, let's do it." And then he was a three-time All-Star after that. Right. Like, it, but it's hard to do the opposite. Right. It's hard to move to the bullpen yeah, right. at 26, which Varlin will be next year. Right. Spend a couple of years in the bullpen and then go, all right, now I'm back to starting. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you could maybe do I mean, Rick Aguilera tried to do that late in his career. Yeah. Too. Didn't go great. Smoltz? Smoltz well, was Smoltz, about back and forth. Yeah. Smoltz was a Hall of Fame starter. <laughs> right. Then blew out his elbow right. and then came back as a reliever and was an all-star closer. And, and then, then went back, I think, for one year to start. Starters. And he was pretty good, but they were like, well, we know you're amazing as a closer right. now. So, uh, Let's see. There was one other. So, yeah, I mean, I think next year's rotation, assuming they let the free agents leave, which right. I do think is, is likely. I think so, too. Lopez, Joe Ryan, Ober, Paddock, Varlin. There's five. Yep. Now, I n- wouldn't necessarily I don't think that predict would be that will they be will the stop. opening yeah. day they will. They will pick up somebody right. in the offseason for that rotation. But, I mean, believe me, Twins rotations in the, at the beginning of offseasons have been in much worse shape right. than that. I mean, oh, there was sure. one year where it was just Barrios. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember. Yeah, it was 2019. All we had a quote <laughs> because I just started – or no, I, I wasn't even on the job at that point. And I remember Falvey was like, we got some work to do with the rotation. And somebody was like, well, what do, what's the depth chart looks like? And he goes, right now we're starting Jose five days out of five. So we got to do a little bit of work because he's durable, but he's not uh, that durable. Uh, so, okay, I had one other, one other thing that I definitely want to uh, – yeah, we talked about rest. The Speaking of the rotation, we talked more about this on the Patreon, but it's worth worth mentioning. Uh, on the free one, the, the sunny gray, I thought – 
two-year narrative came to an interesting yeah. head yeah. Uh, in for the in this Cleveland yeah. series where sixth inning he's uh, he's in the was it the sixth this it was the sixth and Baldelli comes out yep. for a chat and as so- you mentioned this but as soon it's true as soon as you see Baldelli cross the foul line right. on his way from the dugout to the mound and he's not signaling. For the bullpen, right? That means in his mind, he's trying to get talked into leaving the starter in. I think so because he wants yep. to have a conversation, right? And so he gets out to the mound with Gray, which is happening. you don't want to have that conversation. You've already signaled, right? Exactly. <laughs> right, because that, that's why you signal early, so yes. you don't have to have that conversation. Because then it's like, right. Sonny, I hate to tell you, I already signaled I already for the signaled. lefty yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he gets out to the mound and he has a little chat with Gray. And Gray stays in, which he's been allowed to do quite a bit this year. Right. Runners it, on the corners, one out, I think, right. at the time. Right? It was, again, one of those six Now he's innings. facing fifth in the order. He's facing Jimenez. And he, right. like he'd gotten through the, to the four. Like right. Calhoun, I think, was, was on first base. And we've seen this from Gray, and they've given him more leeway this year. And sometimes it's worked, but a lot of times it hasn't. Right. And But because of the way Gray speaks candidly about this stuff and the fact that he always wants to stay in. I want to stay in the fight, as he will say thousands of times <laughs> if you let him in a row. Yep. There, there's This narrative has formed in certain uh, circles of the world sure. uh, that Baldelli's giving him quick hooks and Gray hates it and there's a sort of a feud going on there. And I don't think any of that's true. And I think if really you're giving Sonny Gray credit for something he hasn't really achieved in his career if you consider him a workhorse right. and if you consider he's him a just guy. A, he's never been that. Right. Guy. He's right. never been that with the Twins. He's never been that in general. But The reason he talks about it so much is to pump himself up to try and become something Well, like and that. the reason he <laughs> right. ends up talking about it so much is because he does fall apart right. yeah. in the sixth or the right. seventh inning yeah, he quite is, a bit. He is motivating himself to right. try and make it through seven. Well, I just mean if he didn't fall apart in the sixth inning, no one would be asking right. about getting removed in the sixth right. inning. That's yes. right. And so Baldelli goes out there and then afterward they were both, and, and he gets out of the jam he gets two outs he gets out of the jam and he's very happy about that and baldelli's very happy about that too that's always the part that's weird to me it's like you think they don't want outs from starters baldelli like stomping around in the dugout angry about yeah, it. damn sunny gray pitched well oh man we might win this game what a pain in the ass that is and so afterward they were both asked like what was that conversation like uh-huh. and baldelli said i went out there and i said how you feeling and he said i got this don't worry and i said all right you're you're staying in, yeah. and I think people spend so much time imagining these scenarios in their head where these guys are feuding or Baldelli's only doing what the spreadsheet told them before the game, yes. and yes. no matter what. Meanwhile, most of the time, it comes down to hey, he seemed confident when I went out there and he said he wanted it, so I right. let him in there. Yeah. Stuff was still he's still yeah. ninety ticking you know ninety five. Sometimes you walk out there you yeah. say how you doing and every time Sonny Gray is going to tell you I feel good right but you can you know read his body language you can read his <laughs> sure. how his velocity's been uh, and so the fact that he got through you can, it you can watch his catcher's reaction <laughs> yeah that's uh, yeah, you kick uh, Vasquez under the table and be like uh, how's it yeah mm-hmm. okay uh, I do wonder if they have like a subtle <laughs> I do too as you're walking out to the mound like is there a thing where Jeffers like pulls his <laughs> earlobe and it's like he's the, whoever this pitcher is not to be trusted don't trust this he's throwing garbage up there anyway uh, I thought it was a good I don't know, difference between even though they lost the third game but the Sonny Gray that was a nice little cap on what has right. been a year and a half narrative yep. that I think has kind of gone off the rails in terms of how it's perceived on both sides, 
and this was a good example of how the twins would like it to be and how Sonny Gray would like it to be and the fact that they found this common ground and it actually succeeded in the biggest spot. Yep. And then the other thing that happened in Cleveland is uh, Emilio Pagan closed out a game in uh, <laughs> yeah, what has been a uh, house of horrors for him. Yep. And it so, just wasn't even a story. Yeah. It was just, yeah, of course Emilio <laughs> yep. Pagan closed it out. He's yep. been good for three yep. months now. Yep. Uh, both of those are good yeah. lines from that game. I will give you two more. Kay. The first is the guys they picked up on waivers. The guys Cleveland picked up on <laughs> the, 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 the guys that Cleveland picked up on waivers, which looked like a defeat for the Twins like four or five days ago. One of them just absolutely got yeah. blew out. Gio, you know, was if you are a Cleveland fan, you've got to be like, why did we start this guy? Why did we start a, a guy from a, who's been bad for the last month from a division rival, and he comes in and he just lays an absolute egg yeah. in that first game? More ends up giving up the tying home run to Vasquez to Vasquez yeah. in the in the in game 2 and I was I was watching Lopez closely in game 3 in that 8th inning yeah, where he, he he did not actually he give up that up. run he yeah. he did put somebody on base early and I was kind of waiting for it, it to It would have been a funny Wouldn't that have been great? <laughs> yeah. Good waiver claims guys. And, and they the other lost the game. The other point I want to bring out is, you know, they won game 2. Game 2 was a real frustrating game. Like it was exactly the kind of game that have they if they lose that the narrative around that is they're doing what they did the whole first half of the season they're not putting the ball in play with runner on third base and less than two outs all these things that are going on the deciding run in that game when was uh, made by a pinch runner uh, and that pinch runner when they when Baldelli made that move I rolled my eyes and I rolled my eyes because we've seen Baldelli overemphasize in my opinion pinch running uh, over and over since 2019. And this year, one of the narratives has been how often he is burning through his bench. And in that particular case, they replaced Vasquez with Gallo, who isn't all that fast to begin with. It's not that you're replacing him. Right, he's stage. right, right. But no, he, no, he's not as slow as Vasquez. Don't no. get me wrong. <laughs> right, right. Vasquez right. is the slowest guy on the team. That's what right. I think that's what motivated it. Right. It almost didn't matter who the pinch runner was. I, I think you're right. I think he watched uh, Vasquez go first to third on the farmer double just before right. it and went, I think I gotta get this guy out of here right. in case we're gonna try and score something. Mean. To to score this guy from third on a sack fly, but, it's gonna have to get a, be a wall yeah. scraper but, basically. But by doing that he not only uses his second to last guy on the bench, Gallo. He also uses his last guy on the bench, uh, Jeffers, because Jeffers is now has to replace Vasquez to catch, right? And I think to myself, are you really doing all this? And we're going to, you know, we, uh, at the time, it's a tie game, right? And when we might be going into extra innings, now we've got Gallo batting, and I mean, I'm glad to have Jeffers out there again, but now we've got no more moves that you can make and all this other just to maybe, you know, listen, if it's a, if it's a deep fly ball, it doesn't matter. If it's a shallow fly ball, it doesn't matter or if who it's it is. Just a hit. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if or it's a, a wild hit pitch. or a strikeout. Right. Or like, I mean, right. there's a million. Wa- this rarely makes any difference whatsoever. I agree. And he leaned into it all time and time again. And then it's a medium level fly ball, and the throw comes home, and Gallo beats it. And I am not. I'm not sure Vasquez would not have uh, beaten it. I don't think he would have gone. I, I'm. That's what I wondered too. Probably. <laughs> and. And it ended, I, you up, know it, ended, it ended up being one of those moves where I was absolutely like, this is way too cute by half. I can't, you know, this is yeah. typical. Again, I'm kind of rolling my eyes like this is the Baldelli way and you just got to. But when those but, things work. But when it worked, it worked. Know, and it worked. And it worked in the biggest game for the biggest run of the season. Well, that's the thing we were talking about on Wednesday along these lines is like, how many times does something like that have to work right, to make up for right. not working? Like. Yeah. Does that working once in a big spot right. like that make up for an entire season yeah. of it not working? And in some ways, <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> right. Uh, and I mean, there has he been. He made f- exactly the right move at exactly the right time. And I, 
I was complete doubter about it, but yeah. I, but he was right. I mean, and then right after know, that, but, Solano hits his uh, yeah. <laughs> what should have been a single in right. center. Yeah, that's true. And Miles Straw plays that's it true. into a quote unquote triple. Right. And well, that's a wild pitch in the end. And then there's right. a couple walks and the, the uh, <laughs> yep. and that was breaks it open. To yeah. me, that's the season. Like I mean, if you can just point to a moment where. Right. The pendulum completely swung yep. to the twin side. The moment that Miles no, Straw turns committed. around yeah, to yeah, go yeah, run yeah, after yeah. the ball that went past yeah, him, right. it's over. Yeah. That division is over at that point. So, uh, let's see. I had one other, uh, one other thing. Oh, well. So I've tried to say this as much as possible. I'm going to write it too uh, later this week. But I still see a lot of people kind of speculating or asking questions or just uncertain about playoff roster eligibility oh yeah and there's a lot of weird rules involved and i get why people and the rules have changed over the years right and i get why there's confusion it's not straightforward Be, but here's how i would think about it if, I, if you're a twins fan if the person was in the organization on midnight on august 31st they can get on the playoff roster. Right. Yeah. They can find a way to get them on the playoff roster. And yeah. we've seen that in the past. With other teams, we saw it with Kirloff in 2020. Right. I know that there's 40-man roster uh, considerations in the rules, and I know that the the wording of how you would get an injury replacement onto the roster is confusing. There's The wording is like you have to file a petition with the league and blah, blah, blah. Right. Do not get caught up in the language of that. Here's how it works. If you got a guy in your organization – as of October 30 or August 31st, excuse me, before September 1st, basically. However, you got them, whatever level they're at, whatever their status, if you want them on your playoff roster, you can get them on your playoff roster. You can apply for a petition. Right. Any hitter that you want on can just take the place of Nick Gordon or Jose Miranda or someone who's been on the injured list for months at a time. Right. Any pitcher can take the place of Tyler Malley or fill in the blank with any injured pitcher. And so there are. You need to do paperwork on that, and you technically need approval for that. But I, I've never seen it denied, and I think people—it's it, you're you're reading a document that's been pre been prepared by labor lawyers, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. We're getting yes, paid exactly. by the hour, yes, right. and yeah. they want to eliminate any uh, chance of uh, you know arbitration right. being yes. required or anything. Right. But don't get caught up in the verbiage or the verbiage. If you got a guy in your organization. And the tw it's not like the Twins added anybody after right. September 1st right. as of now. Right. So anybody you'd want on the play – I'm going to just put it this way. If you want Austin Martin, you want Brooks Lee, yeah. you want somebody anybody like Anybody you right, want yes. on the playoff – if you want Walker Jenkins on the right. playoff yeah, roster, yeah, right. they can get Walker Jenkins on the playoff roster. Now, he can't be added earlier in the sense that he can't drink beer or champagne <laughs> in the clubhouse <laughs> when they clinch the division. So that's a consideration. Right, yeah, that's right. But, yeah, if, if, there's, if there's anybody in the Twins system injured, healthy – Rookie ball, triple A, right. majors, and you want them on the playoff roster. Don't get caught up on all this other BS. They can get them on the playoff roster. Just, we should, by the way, just mention Walker Jenkins is just continuing to yes. kick so ass. He has exactly. Right I'll read the. Uh, <laughs> I'll read the stats. He has exactly 100 plate appearances as a professional. Okay, is that right? Which is a nice. I little, just I looked up his numbers the other day. I said he's actually like we talked. We raved about how well he was doing in whatever rookie league or whatever the hell it was yeah. that he was in. He's actually doing better in low A. So here's his totals <laughs> through 100 plate appearances, which, like you said, both both, both leagues. yes okay. combined. So he started out in the uh, Florida Complex League, which right. is the lowest level of American minor leagues. Which is they play at the complex in Fort Myers, but they play in the backfields in front of no yes. one. Okay. 
Then he played, I don't know how many games, a dozen games or whatever. And then they promoted him to low A, which is Fort Myers, which right. is literally the same place, right. except it's the big the field stadium, where they play right. spring training right. games. Right. And it's in front of people and the games are at night yeah. and there's lights. It's A ball. Yes. It's, it's actual. Right. You feel like a professional. Right. That. That's right. Uh, so between those two, which that happened like a week and a half, two weeks ago, between those two spots, he has exactly 100 plate appearances. He's hitting 380. <laughs> He has a 430 on base percentage and a 598 slugging percentage. Uh, he's 18 years old. He's 18 years old. <laughs> he has six steals in eight tries. He's been playing center field. Nice. And here's the thing that you never know. We do. We might need a center fielder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we for our softball team. Uh, and he, but here's the thing about, especially about high schoolers, but about anybody who's really going from amateur to pro. You can think you know where they're at from like a plate discipline, strike zone control standpoint, mm-hmm. but I've seen so many high school guys get drafted and get talked about as pure hitters and blah, 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 right. and you send them to rookie ball or low A, right. and they get uh, 35 strikeouts and two walks, and you go, uh-oh, this guy <laughs> right. can't control the strike zone. And right. even guys who are great at it in college, like Aaron Sabato, let's say, right, who walked a ton, right. didn't strike out that much. You send him to actual pro competition, and all of a sudden he strikes out 150 times, and he walks 60 times or whatever, and that's fine. But it, you, particularly for a guy like Jenkins, who is 18, has been playing high school ball in North Carolina yeah. against kids that are scared shitless to face him, because right. he's been a superstar for yes. his whole life. Yeah, he's not getting anything to hit, and when he does get something to hit, he just knocks the crap out of it. There's no consideration of. Was he swinging at sliders or is he right. not? But then you put him into a pro competition, and especially now that he's at low A, there are guys right. who, who can hit right. the corners. There are guys who can throw he breaking balls. At low A, he is three years younger than the average com- right. competition. Yes. Right. Uh, the average so, age in tw- at low A is 21. And so here's what's <laughs> right. uh, especially encouraging. He's got eight walks in 100 plate appearances. I will say what I used to say about Ichiro, which is that's not a lot of walks. You'd like to see a guy walk – 10 to 12 sure. times in 100 plate appearances, okay. um, he's hitting 380. Right. So he doesn't care about walking <laughs> right. because yes. he can just hit 380. Right. Yeah. Uh, but here's the real encouraging part. Nine strikeouts in 100 plate appearances right. for an 18-year-old in his first professional competition who's been promoted aggressively now yeah. and, like you said, is facing 21, 22-year-olds yeah. pretty consistently. He has one strikeout since moving up to low A. And that's the real... That's everything right, yeah. because it's like this guy has bat-to-ball skills. He can clearly drive the ball. He's got all the physical tools in the world. And, yes, will the real test be high A, double A, where guys are throwing change-ups and guys are throwing good curveballs and all that stuff? Right. Absolutely. I'm not saying this guarantees he, him for life as good strike zone control. Right. But it is – you know, there was the lemon test that I <laughs> talked about where you just need to see him play a dozen games and make sure he doesn't go one for 50. Right. And he's clearly past that. <laughs> right. And then part of that is also just what does his actual approach at the plate look like? Right. Well, his approach at the plate looks like see ball, hit ball. And when I swing, I'm putting it in play hard, right. and I'm drawing a few walks, probably because people are a little bit scared of him also. And I'm just so he's just so rarely swinging and missing, and that's a that's a tremendous sign because that is the one thing that you can't really tell 
from high school competition because he's not getting into deep counts in high school competition. And there might be one guy on each team he faces who can even really, you know, put him in danger in that regard. So do you know when the Cedar Rapids uh, starts their playoffs? Yeah, it's, it's soon. He could, Pretty soon. And they're at the top of their division. He could get bumped up. I mean, that would be pretty aggressive. That would be, I mean, they did it with, with Brooks Lee last year. Well, yeah, Brooks Lee was but Brooks 22 and no, three agreed, years of college. Agreed, right. Uh, so, yeah, that – Extraordinarily, <laughs> inc- I mean, you couldn't have a more encouraging start for an 18 year old. It's crazy. Uh, top yeah. five pick. So that's good. Let me just add one other. Uh, well, this sort of goes along with that. We can finish on this, I guess. We t- we've talked about the lineup and how much better it's been in the second half. Uh, you know, it's first or second in, in runs scored after sure, being yeah. so yeah. bad yeah. so yep. often in the first half, and how it's mostly been the three rookies, yes. Lewis. Julian Walner, and then the two longest tenured guys, Polanco and Kepler, right. stepping up. Yep. You've also got Jeffers. big contributions from Jeffers, who's yep. closer to a rookie than a veteran. Right. And then now you're hoping to get big contributions from Kirloff here still, right. yeah. who's also Good 26, point. just yep. like Jeffers. And then I started just thinking, well, we just named three rookies and two 26-year-olds right. who aren't going anywhere for right. a while. Yep. And Polanco and Kepler – are the longest tenured guys on the team, but they're still under team control for next year. (coughs) You have Buxton and Correa, obviously, (laughs) under team control for five more years. You're hoping at least one of them gets back to where they were. Correa seems more likely at this stage. But then I just thought it's getting to be real easy compared to like May. Think of how we were talking about this lineup in May. Yep. Where it was like. Well, what we were saying in May is don't forget. The, the lineup we see now is not That's the true. lineup we're going to see end of September. That's There's true. A, it's possible it will be very, very different. Or and annoying people like me were saying, <laughs> why don't they call Walner? Why don't they? <laughs> Royce is a completely different right, story yes. than everything else because he had the injury. But it's it's becoming very easy to start kind of dreaming on future lineups for the right, Twins yeah. that not only could be pretty good but could be really good right. and built around guys – who are going to be there for a while. Yep. And then if you start to get Correa back, if he's healthy with the foot, and yep. who knows what you're getting from Buxton, you add those guys back into the mix. I mean, this has a chance to be an excellent, yeah. very deep lineup yep. built around young guys with a couple of key veterans. And, you know, obviously Lewis's emergence has changed the whole view of that. Right. I mean, he's just yep. going to be a guy for you now for five more, six more years. Yep. I think Walner, you can just safely pencil in as a slugging corner outfielder at this yep. point. Julian, certainly to me, seems like their leadoff man until he doesn't yep. want to be their leadoff man. Uh, and then, you know, Walker Jenkins is a little far afield, <laughs> obviously. He's probably right, three yeah. years away, yeah. even if things go well. But you got Brooks they Lee got sitting Brooks Lee sitting at AAA, Austin and they got Martin. Austin Martin, yep. who's been great over the last yep. month and a half or yep. so, hitting for power, drawing walks, stealing bases, playing center field. Uh, and you start to kind of add that up, and then they have Emmanuel Rodriguez, who's at yeah, high A. I forgotten about This him. time next year, we could be talking about <laughs> right? him being yeah. at AAA, basically. Yeah. And then I don't want to completely dismiss guys like Miranda or Larnick, right. yes. who six months ago, we were pretty yeah. high on them. Yeah. And I, so, I, I think we're absolutely – I think Miranda's due for a bounce, a big bounce back next year. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that this shoulder thing is what kind of sub, sub, ter- torpedoed well, this year is. a little bit. Right? Uh, and so you add all that together – you know, Kirilov and Jeffers, Julian, Walner, Royce Lewis, Correa and Buxton. You still have Kepler and Polanco. Yep. You start to mix in Brooks Lee and Austin Martin at some point next year. Maybe Emmanuel Rodriguez, if not next year, then certainly in right. 2025. Maybe you get Miranda and or Larnick back into the mix. Right. And 
that has the potential to be an excellent, yeah. deep, you know, some some walk drawn ability, yep. some power, some average. You know, there's a lot of defensive flexibility, especially once you start adding guys like Brooks Lee and Austin Martin to the mix yep. who can play good defense at multiple positions. And so it is amazing the transformation we've seen in season from, you know, May and June to now August and yep. September. The lineup looks completely different. It's unrecognizable. Yep. But then you even start to go, well, what if we kind of start to extrapolate from this current group? Yep. And you start to add a couple of more pieces, and maybe you get Correa back to where he was. And this has a chance to be just a phenomenal lineup. And then we're at the point where you're going, can they build enough pitching? Right. And, you know, that's been the question for the yeah, whole time. But but, but we're seeing, already seeing and mentioned right. we've got a rotation that we've already kind of – Sort of. But, I mean, that's not a great rotation. It's but a great it's, rotation. It's, it's a rotation. Yeah. Uh, and part of that, though, well, especially like, I mean, with – Lopez, Ryan, and Ober are pretty good one, two, three. Uh, at the top of that rotation. Yeah, although what is over right now? Well, we'll be back on Monday with probably a recap of the uh, Mets series, right? We'll also be keeping an eye on Cleveland and <laughs> playing the Angels this week. It'll also be a lead into the really last, really tough series of the season, which is the Rays coming to town for a three-game set. Uh, and then we'll probably be back Wednesday. I'm guessing Wednesday we do a... Uh, a mailbag? Bailey Ober uh, Patreon, Patreon themed mailbag. <laughs> Bailey Ober All your Bailey Ober questions. All your Bailey Ober questions done. Uh, we want to thank Game Time and we want to thank uh, Chomps, Room Chomps Meat Sticks. Uh, thank Odds Are. Download that app and check out the games this weekend and Bricksworth Beer Company. I might see you there at some point uh, this uh, this weekend. Anything and uh, subscribe to the Patreon for yes. Monday and Wednesday show. Yep. Wednesday, like you said, might be a mailbag. You get, once you subscribe, you get a access to an email address where you can just send in you know direct emails we do our best to try and handle most yes. of the questions it's difficult because <laughs> we get a lot of questions and also you know i like to block out 40 to 45 minutes for a dumb discussion <laughs> that neither of us want to be in so that takes part of the show that we can't really get to questions about but uh okay uh, uh it's over just like the show <laughs> bye-bye Even...